I'm Charlie Taylor. I'm Ben Carter. I run hip hop by the numbers on Twitter. We use hip hop statistics to highlight the bigger picture. And I am director of the Fifth Element. I highlight Fifth Element hip hop. Just knowledge. Fifty nine episodes. We thought we blew it. Fool, you know how we do it. Stick <laughs> Another softball for you guys. Another softball. Another, another, another softball. You know, just, just, a, just a little roller for you. Not that fast. I, 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 I try not to. You know, no, no point complicating them. No point, no, no point being complicated. <laughs> so many options though. So many options. Could have done like, I don't know. Check yourself. Could have done, oh man, so many, so many tracks. So many tracks. But we will get into that when we get to that. Uh, but for now, we should start the show. Uh, hi Ben. How's your week been? And what have you been listening to this week? Uh, you know, it's been another week. Got through another week of the uh, of the lockdown. So we're still kicking along in fucking May. May's going quickly. I feel like May's going quickly, which I like. Uh, I got into, well, a lot of music, but I'll talk about, I think, six, five. The best album of the week was Young Lean, Stars. Now... I want to preface this review by saying that Young Lean is one of the most influential artists of the last decade. And a lot of people might not have even heard of him, or they might just know of him, you know, a little bit underground, or they haven't really delved into his discography. You don't really need to dive into his discography. But he really did help pioneer the cloud rap scene. And he brought forward the emotional aspect of hip-hop immensely, far more than Cuddy did. Like, he really... His, his entire projects are this, like the sad boy gang, you know? And there's like a little self-deprecating quality to his work where that sad boy image kind of permeates pretty much everything he does, every word he delivers. And I feel like it's equal parts self-awareness and self-indulgent, which is a rare quality. Think about that for a second. Like, just let that marinate because that's, that's a rare quality. I think this album, for me, is going to be an album of the year contender. Like, I just, I adore this album. And I said, and Charlie kind of got upset with me, I said, nothing will match After Hours by The weekend as a sonic achievement. And I and Stars doesn't. I'm not saying... I didn't get mad. Well, you, don't, don't put words in my mouth. You, I didn't fuck, get mad. you put up receipts. You put up receipts when I said that. I said, I said, I said, there, there's like six albums out there that, you know, personally for me... They're all right, but they're not. They're not going to be like probably not even going to be on my album list. But I feel like there's six albums out there that everybody's going to put on their list, and it's just like, okay, so we haven't learned from any from anything. Okay, we're just going to listen to the same stuff, and uh, you know, all put it on the same list. Okay, cool. I reckon your list might just, be just 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 saying. I reckon it's, it's, your... not, it's, not, it's not. It's not. So disrespect. You got to publish that list now because I reckon it's going to be pretty damn close, depending on who drops, obviously. But like, you know, if no one else drops for the rest of the year, then yes, that list is going to be true. But I felt like the production on After Hours was just a sonic, like, massive. Someone said to me today that uh, Tyler the Creator's Eagle was like synth porn, and I felt like that with After Hours. It was like synth porn. Now, Stars doesn't achieve that because it's an independent album. 
But imagine like someone trying to make After Hours on an independent budget, sonically, the production. And that's what I, I felt like, you know, the, it oscillates. It's like a living organism, the production. And Young Lean is just always present at the front and providing emotional and storytelling touch points. Like I really like Acid at 7-Eleven because he, he delivers like this almost poignant soliloquy about the depravity of being a rich addict. And I've, I've felt this because I've certainly had existential moments in front of convenience stores with heavy amounts of alcohol in me. Like, it happens. It happens at 4 a.m. We've all been there. We're standing in front of the 7-Eleven just like, what is life all about? What am I doing? Why am I out on a Tuesday morning? Like, it doesn't make any sense. So, yeah, I just, I really got a, I got a connection to this album. I felt it was, I love the freeform feel of it. Uh, out of my head is just a stream of consciousness. Violence feels like a manifestation of being in a really negative headspace. And uh, I enjoyed the album so much. I would highly recommend. I'm going to go back and listen again and again. So that was a great project. Deontay Hitchcock's Better. Uh, Deontay Hitchcock popped up on Revenge of the Dreamers 3. Uh, and on this mm. project, I felt like he showed why he is associated with Dreamville. I like him a lot. He has a Earth Gang Jid quality about him. And I, you know, his voice and his cadence and his tone. But I like it more on him for some reason. I'm not sure why. It just it just really meshes and lifts it. And uh, I just thought this 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 project was super solid. There isn't a bad track on here. And I see bigger things in his future. I think if he can continue to kind of smash away in this subgenre alongside JID and and some other Dreamville acts, their sound will hit the mainstream. I feel like it really will. I I thought mm. that was a really solid, great project. Uh, Zaya, very alone. One of the more exciting and innovative rappers out of Atlanta at the moment. He definitely has this late 80s synth pop sound. Like Interstate could be a Depeche Mode song almost or Soft Cell or Devo or something like that. Uh, Very Alone is the title track. It's a real bop. And we get, uh, sorry, On God. That's like trap infused boom bap, you know. And his vocal tones are pitched, are switched effortlessly like, uh, I I thought it was a very, very good album from an underground artist. Like, it was very, very masterfully done. And I listened to a lot of underground stuff, and a lot of it sounds very DIY, very, you know, you know they're, they're just starting out or they're a bit amateurish. This just sounded super clean the whole way through. And I thought it was a breath of fresh air, really engaging listen. So I really like that. Uh, my fourth favorite was High Off Life by Future. So I felt like Future was halfway to DS2 on this. 21 songs and 70 minutes is wild. Like, it's not 2002. Just relax. We don't need 20. I put it on and I was driving and I had an hour drive. So I put that on and I loaded up uh, Young Lean afterwards. And I had to pull over after like 55 minutes. I'm like, have I messed up the playlist and it's just gone back to the start again? But I still had like four songs to go. I was like nah, this is way too much, man. We don't even need this. And I think the album kind of lurches from dizzying highs like Solitaire's, Posted with Demons. All Bad is a great song. Uh, Up the River is a great song. But then there's some filler, some mid, like Pray for a Key, Riding Strikers. Even Accepting My Flaws, I thought the lyrical content of that was great. I've been... uh, I'm bashing my head up against the wall on Twitter and Instagram this week, trying to 
return some artistic integrity to my own work by like going through Future's discography and counting up the vulnerability versus the savage bars and you know it's it's not really what people want to hear for some reason it's it's not doing great uh accepting my flaws is a good mix of the two and there's a lot of vulnerability and i like future's vulnerability a lot and it's the the mix on this album is 24 percent vulnerable 23 percent savage so it's like the perfect of both futures worlds but to me the issue is the kids are doing it much better like a boogie young boy people kill me for that but i really like young boy Moneybag Yo, Lil Baby. I feel like if Future wants to compete with those high-quality albums from that generation below him, he needs to either be the greatest, which is really hard to do when it's a saturated market, uh, or switch it up like pretty much all of his contemporaries have done. You know, And we're saying like Future is at the pinnacle. You know, So we're talking about like Jay-Z, Drake, Kanye. I'm not saying he's the greatest of all time in his lane, but he is possibly at that pinnacle and he needs to switch it up because they've all switched it up at times when their sound got a bit stale. And he's just doing the same thing over and over. And whilst it's good, it's good listen, you know, the greats stay greats because they diversify. You've got you've to gotta move into a different lane. And I don't know what lane that is for future. I don't know. But maybe he needs to just reduce the track listing. Like Save Me was a great EP, but it was a bit short. So if this were 10 tracks, it might genuinely be a brilliant album. But at 21, it's just too much, man. But the, the, the highs on there are really good. So I wouldn't say don't listen to it. Now, the last one is going to be very interesting. Because Nav dropped a second installment, the deluxe of Good Intentions. <laughs> it's called Brown Boy 2. <laughs> now... What happens Dead if riders. I what happens if I come into this podcast and say that I like this album? Like, do I have to deactivate Twitter? Like, is Charlie going to kick me off the podcast? Like, I don't know. I don't know. But I like this album. I like it. All right? And I didn't expect to like it. And everyone heard what I said last week. But it's like all the criticisms of Good Intentions... It's like he went back and worked on them and came back with a more full, well-rounded, technical, artistic sound. And I'm not saying he did do that. He, he obviously didn't do that because he had this album ready to go. But this was like night and day for me. The beats hit way harder. They feel less tinny and more fleshed out. They're deeper. They're more structured. Nav switches his flow up, his cadence up, his tone. He sings. He throws some venom and some some menace in his voice. Like, listen to me talking on this podcast. I listen back to a podcast. I have more vocal presence than than Nav. I have so much more vocal presence than Nav. When I first started out in podcasting, I was Nav. I was like, hey, guys, this is banned from hip-hop numbers. Like, that's (laughs) Nav. Okay, it was garbage. But I learned. And I feel like Nav (laughs) is learning. Nav is progressing. And... He's not skilled at all in comparison to like A Boogie, Lil, Lil Baby, Lil Dirk, Uzi, Thugger, but etc. etc. Like it's not a great album. I'm not saying that. But it is an improvement and it's he's going down the right path. He felt way more confident and assured. Like it was like he believed he belonged on the beats. Where on the first one it was like he didn't know what the hell he was doing there. And the confidence gave his lyrics more weight. So I felt more connection to them. But the problem, what I'm scared of is like 
the robots are learning now. Like, we always say Nav is a robot, and he still has that robotic quality. I'm, I'm just thinking, like, man, they're mimicking us now. Like, they're going to start developing free will and taking us over. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know, man. I like this album. I, I can't shit on it at all. And that It was my least favorite album of the week, but it's not that bad, to be honest. So, shout out to Nav for, uh, for glowing up so quickly. Well done. <laughs> okay, I'm just going to... I'm just going to let that breathe. You um, can tell that the check just, just came from the record you know, label. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. I don't get paid by the record label. <laughs> I wish I did. If any record labels <laughs> want to pay me, fucking send me a check, man. Fuck. Uh, <laughs> and just to say, guys, on the point that I originally made uh, during Ben's, uh, uh, I guess, uh, roundup, you know, I'm not against you guys putting, like, you know, after hours, circles, the Gambino join, and it will most like you guys most likely have RTJ four, RTJ four, um, you know, on the list on your list as well. I might have, a, I might put RTJ uh, Run the Jewels four as, on my list as well. I'm just saying, like, embrace some variety; it won't hurt. Anyway, um, so where did I start? Okay, yes, um, Bishop Neru, and oh, okay. uh, my disregarded thoughts. How'd you feel about this? I've heard one? of Bishop Maru like for years, and I've actually never like I don't want to say I never bothered, but I never just like made the time to just like look at this dude and I go, what's Bishop? What's Bishop? What's Bishop Maru about? You know what I mean? Like because obviously he did a he did a thing with uh, MF Doom, I think last year, uh, 2019. Doom. Yeah. Uh, you know he's he's been putting through work. Yeah, he's been he's been putting in work. You know since early early last decade. So you know it's, it's not like he's you know, never ex- just existed now, um, but yeah, man, he's, he's this this in this particular case, this album is um, solid. I'll, I'll, in one word, solid. Um, I feel like uh, I've put in my zone on my regular rotation. That particular song is just like just, just hits me very nicely. Just really enjoy that kind of uh, vibe. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's an interesting. It's an interesting. Uh, I guess. Uh, 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 flow throughout it like uh you know it starts off very it starts off like a very uh you know like a spoken word bit he's just like you know basically just talking in this first track and he goes in my zone he's like just don't get on my phone you know he's very defiant and then you have like stuff talking about little Susie and it's basically like i don't know like basically telling a girl not to do the bad thing she's thinking about kind of thing you know just uh, like talking her off the ledge kind of talk um, and then you get into like RNG's astral, and that's super just atmospheric, and uh, you know, just uh, not not like doesn't have the lyrical content as the rest, but like it's just very push. You know, what I mean, it's just like picture painting. MF Doom's on here for Meathead, um, mm. and it's it's it's, 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 like it's interesting. So it gets very it's it's a little bit. It's some it's some pop rappy kind of elements. It's not full on like you know like something like mf doom would do you know what i mean it's it's, it's it's a little bit more to the little bit more to the softer side in that t- in that terms of being like abstract hip-hop um yeah as, as um as albums go so it's a very solid album i really i really enjoyed it and uh in my zone it's definitely on the regular rotation for a, it's going to be on there for a minute uh mikey austin greenhouse so this is one of the rare moments where I was given some uh, given a piece of work uh, via my email, 
and uh, I genuinely enjoyed it. Like, shout out to Mikey Austin. This album's dropping twenty uh, second uh, of May, if I'm if I'm not if I'm not mistaken. I think that's the date, twenty uh, second of May. So after this podcast drops, basically, you can guys can go listen to that. Uh, he gave me full uh, full access. <laughs> <laughs> Make me sound privileged, didn't it? Gave me full access to the to to listen to the whole album, and uh, yeah, man, it's it's really good. It's like the first track really reminded me of like Tribal Quest, it's big tribe vibes here, you know, soulful, uh, jazz hop. But uh, you know, it, it has it has um it has some switches now and again, uh, in terms of uh, just uh, like inspirations. There was like one there was like one song that had keys that reminded me of like um like Robert Glasper, uh, Robert Glasper. Um, and yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a real solid album. So shout out to Mikey Austin on that. And thanks for lashing it to me. Honestly, it's a real, real solid album. Shout out to Mikey Austin. Um, with two Y's, uh, by the way. Hailing from Michigan. Uh, okay, I want to get this right. Uh, Lila, Lila I.K. It's spelled, it's spelled like Lila E.K., like I.K.E., but it's, 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 <laughs> it's Lila I.K. Um, The Experience, it's Louis P., uh, member of Indig- Indignation, uh, Protégés, uh, uh, well, one of my favourite reggae artists right now uh, has his own uh, basically collective, and uh, EK is IK. IK. See, it says EK, but it's IK. Um, is a is a member of that, and she dropped the CP. I really love the CP. Really nice, really nice vibes. Um, the couple of singles that I've really heard before, um, like I Spy, very um, just uh, you know just upbeat, very bouncy, you know, just wind up on a girl kind of kind of vibe. Uh, finally enjoy that kind of thing um and uh you had to have a you had to have a track you have to have a track you can't you can't give me a reggae project uh well this is not even like full-on reggae by the way so it's you know it's more it's more dance holy um elements says actually i call it reggae and blues actually it's like it's r&b but without rhythm it's 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 reg it's reggae and blues kind of thing um where i'm coming from is a solid track they're all solid tracks to be honest there's no there's no it's no uh, dud here uh but you can't have Red, uh, any sort of reggae tra- uh, album or EP without some revolutionary, uh, without some revolutionary talk, you know, set fire to Babylon and all that with Thy Will. I love that track. It's super solid. Second Chance has one of the, oh, one of the most cleanest, just first ten seconds of a song. It's just, it just, it just, oh, just fucking hangs me, takes me by the neck, like, you know, just. Take this beat right quick. Um, yeah, it's, it's super solid EP. I really enjoy it. Uh, Melodic Tribe Head. There you EP. go. How'd you feel? Um, so Ben put me on. To, ben put me onto this. Um, just to I don't know why he did, but he just put, he just put me onto it. He's like he's like go listen to this. I'm like okay, and um, yeah. I mean, as EPs go, and you know, I've, I've said it throughout the past couple of weeks. Like there are, there are so many OP EPs coming. Uh, you know, every, practically every week. Um, this, however, I wouldn't say is my favorite of. Um, well, not definitely my favorite of the week. Um, it is solid. It is worth a listen. I'm not gonna say it isn't worth a listen. It's definitely, I definitely think you guys should listen to it. I get really a lot of um, uh, like MIA uh, kind of kind of vibes here. Um, I get a couple of others, but I, t- I totally forgot what I was listening. But um, I, f- I forgot the I forgot Homegirl's name on it, but um, she really shines to me. Um, yeah, I really I enjoy when she hops on hops onto the track. I, I she's a real shining light on that. I really, I really rated that. Um, there was one track I didn't. I found I found a bit too, I'd say experimental for my blood. Um, it was because because the whole thing is like organized chaos in a way. 
Um, you know, there's, there's always there's the beat, but then there's just like other stuff happening in the background, and you know, <laughs> it's, it's it's very interesting. But uh, there was one track that really um, just didn't vibe for me, but the rest of them, yeah, you know, they were they were solid, and uh, you know, overall it's a decent EP. I would definitely recommend that. <clears throat> Uh, last two, uh, Odd Squad Family, the Flamingo Complex. Okay, this is f- this is fascinating to me. Um, not even from the album standpoint, but just who these guys are like. So, <laughs> so literally, just um, uh, I've, I'm I'm gonna get then I'm gonna get their names up right quick while I talk about the album because the album itself is very solid. Um, it's a it's a very um, uh, just 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 free guys, just free guys spitting some bars. Um, real nice flow for each of them. Uh, really nice hooks uh, for most of this album. Uh, really, really earwormy hooks. Um, so you have uh, <laughs> you have A Factor. Um, you have this guy called Snowman, who's basically albi- uh, albino, and you also have this dude called Nubs, which is the best name for a dude that has <laughs> that has half half of his arms and half his legs. Is absolutely fascinating. I would love to know these guys' stories so uh, so much because on the face, it's just it's just it's like a group of misfits. But like when you when you hear them, they just you know they just sound like rappers. You know what I mean? They just, they sound like regular dudes. They're just rapping about you know. Um, it actually has um really like early Mac Miller kind of vibes actually. Um, in terms of what they talk about, very like you know kind of carefree, um kind of kind of kind of thing going on. And I really enjoyed the album, but just like overall, just this, <laughs> just these three, just looking at them. Like when I looked them up, I was like, "Huh, bro, it's so fascinating. It's so fascinating." Like shout out to Nubs, man. He had some great bars about like being handicapped, but like just like persevering through that kind of shit. I rated that. I rated that highly. So shout out to Nubs, best name ever. Um, and lastly, oh, you know I had to do it. You know I had to do it for last. My boy Terrace Martin's back with a fucking another one. God damn it, bro. You have to get off my neck, bro. Get off my neck. See, you you guys you guys need to pay pay some respect because you, you guys do all this you know, we did a whole episode on fucking Kanye doing dropping dropping shit, you know, uh, every week, right? Um you have you know, young thug saying like I'll drop an I'll drop an album right now just to spite French Montana and you lot gassing that up. You lot gas a lot of people up, you know, little B for dropping constantly, of course, currency as we do Shut with the running joke, you know, he's always dropping science. Shout out to the shout to those guys. No shade, right? But my boy Terrace Martin is continually dropping, and you guys are continually sleeping. Okay, so this one's called Impendence. Impendence. Wake their ass up, Charlie. Wake them up, Charlie. Wake them up. Wake them up. Wake them up, Charlie. I'm I'm gonna wake them up. (laughs) Wake them up, bro. I'm gonna wake them the fuck up, man. You guys need to wake the fuck up, man. Solid features on here. You got Malaya. Aaron Ray and Elena Pinderhughes on one. Uh, a couple of these I've heard before. Trail Mix I've heard before. That was a single from like the start of the year. Same with Beige. Um, Buddy and Rose Gold's on one track. That's on Trail Mix. Uh, and The Deuce with uh, the Martin Family Trio. So it's basically just him, his family. And uh, man, it's just, yes, it's another, it's another freaking solid EP, man. It's another solid EP from Terrace Martin. He is continually dropping that shit. Continually dropping that soulful heat. Good for the fucking soul. Get you guys some of that. You know what I mean? You, you guys you guys love eating that meat, right? You guys love eating that meat. You know, that fast food kind of wrap. It's all good. But you guys need some of this soul food. You need some of these vegetables. You know what I mean? I'm I'm speaking facts and you know this, all right? Get some, get some soul food in you, man. So shout out to Terrace Mine once again. Notice me, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I'm riding for you right now. But anyway, 
we shall get to the topic of this episode. And boy, I was low key. Uh, I was low key th- uh, gonna ask Ben like we sh- we probably should really do a two part because uh, there is so much material with Ice Cube. I totally forgot how much material he had. Is actually silly. Um, so uh, you know this is kind of off the back of uh, that uh, beef episode that we did, obviously with uh, Cube and NWA, and also with Push T and Drake. One of my favorite episodes, and uh, you know I I asked I asked uh, Ben if we could do Ice Cube because uh, I don't. Th- I don't know how much you did listen, uh, how many albums you did listen to before I offered, um, but it was, if you've been following Ice Cube for the past week or so, he's been constantly dropping just, uh, you know, gems and behind the scenes and, you know, fun facts about uh, uh, his first solo album, America's Most Wanted, uh, which is now 30 years old as of a couple of days ago as of this recording. And, you know, I, I thought it was just a perfect time to do it, um, to do to do a little retrospective, oh, I say little, a fat retrospective on an Ice Cube and the absolute dumpster truck full of fucking content he has. Um, and uh, you know what's going to piss me off, right? We, we, we aren't even going to touch on Westside Connection, we ain't even going to touch on the Lynch Mob, because we can't, we ain't got time, okay? We might not even touch on his fucking acting career and all that kind of stuff. Because we're going to have enough on our plate just for the music. Ben can talk about that stuff if he wants to, right? If you want to talk about it, Ben, you can. I'm, you know, we're, we're equals here. If you want to talk about it, you can talk about it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, crack the whip on that front. But boy, there's so much fucking stuff. There's so much fucking stuff. So, Ben, jump right in, my boy. Go where you want to go. Let's get it. Oh, I was just looking up the the lyrics to No Vaseline just because I love it so much. Because <laughs> you're getting fucked out your green by a white boy with no Vaseline. <laughs> oh man! Um, <clears throat> to uh, t- in the in the Easy interest dick. of smelling like Pepsi Ranch shit. <laughs> in the interest of expediating this, I'm gonna skip over NWA because I feel like we need to do an episode on NWA. Like I think. That For sure. deserves its whole episode. I'll speak like you know a little bit around it, but um, what I want to achieve on this podcast is I want to highlight how intelligent and calculated Ice Cube is. He is calculated and calm under pressure, and it always feels like nothing can phase or derail him. And I want to uh, exert that upon the podcast. So I'll give some background about him. Uh, he was born in South Central LA, grew up on Van Wyck. His half-sister was murdered when he was 12, so he certainly lived within the confines of the violence of the community that he was existing in. He said that he began writing bars when a friend challenged him to do to do so. I think he was 13, 14, like pretty young, but you know, not super young. Uh, he got his name Ice Cube from his older brother. Ice Cube said in an interview, my brother kept saying, you're trying to be too cool. Stop trying to be cool all the time. You ain't no damn ice cube. And I was like, yes, I am. And that's how I got my name. So he stuck with it all forever. It's pretty cool. It's a great name. Like, it's a really cool name. So I like it. Uh, he went to school. He did a year at the Phoenix Institute of Technology. He picked up a diploma in architectural drawing. And think about it. Like He left NWA to do that. I'll speak on that in a second. But... Uh, I just want to paint the picture of Ice Cube. Like, since he's so adept at telling stories, and I feel like his storytelling ability is very underrated. Listening back to his albums, and and Mm -hmm. you asked before if I listened. I have listened to his full discography before last week. 
But I, you know, it's it's one of those things where you listen a couple of times. It's not something I've lived with my whole life. Uh, I've gone back and forth. There's just so much hip hop in the world, you know. And Charlie actually pitches to me, and he said, uh, "What did you say? AMW or something? America? Oh no, America's most wanted." Yeah, he said the the 30th anniversary of AMW's come. I'm like, what the fuck is AMW? And uh, it's obviously America's most wanted. That was two days ago, I think, the 30th anniversary. Uh, so yeah, I think he's a great storyteller. His lyrics are really raw and visceral, but like, where do they come from? Because from his early days, we can see he was very intellectual and he valued education. So he left NWA for a year to attend college after, I think it was after Straight Outta Compton dropped. No, it, was, it might've been just before. So I think he left in fall of 87 and Straight Outta Compton dropped 88. So he left for a year to go to, to college. And he said in an interview, I took architectural drawing and that taught me everything starts with a plan. The biggest buildings in the world started with a plan. So after you make your plan, then you figure out what's the easiest way for me to get there. And that just exemplifies his entire career. So he met Dr. Dre in 1983. That was a fucking fateful matchup in the end. Like, Sir Jinx and Cube. Sir Jinx is his... Some people say he's his cousin, his friend. I'm not really sure what their relationship is, but they've been close their whole life. They were signed to Epic Records, uh, and they had the group CIA, and they were managed by the same person as Dr. Dre, Lonzo, and that's how they met. And Cube found his feet, lyrical feet, really fast. Like, a lot of people said that CIA was really hard and gritty, and some have even said it really laid the path for NWA. And they did see some regional success. So some people attribute NWA's gritty style to the success that CIA had via Cube and Sir Jinx. So then Eazy-E kind of began floating around and he snatched up Ice Cube thanks to his pen game and he turned him into the in-house ghostwriter for Ruthless Records. And then once NWA formed, it was only natural given his ties to both Eazy and Dr. Dre that Ice Cube would be included. So... I just found his his early life really. I don't know if you want to react to that, but I just found it very interesting. He didn't just he he wasn't just bouncing around. He knew the fuck what the fuck he was doing. Like everything was very calculated early. The thing that fascinates me most that I've only recently just gathered in retrospect of you know preparing for this episode um, is the fact that he was so young throughout this shit, like uber young. So, you know, we, 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 we love to mention how, like, you know, Nas did Illmatic, you know, he wrote, he started writing when he was 16, all that crap, and, you know, he dropped him when he was 18, da 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 You know, we, 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 we love talking about that kind of stuff when we talk about age. Bro, so, he dropped, so, we'll, we'll, we'll obviously start with America's Most Wanted as, uh, um, in a bit, but I just want to just name the first four, right? So, America's Most Wanted in 1990, Death Certificate in 91, mm. Predator in 92, and Leaf Injection in 93, right? Bro, he was 21 in 1990. Mm. So, throughout his 20, 20, about his 21, 22, 23, and 24th birthday, right, he dropped those four fucking albums. And even before that, he dropped fucking, he helped create one of the, you know, one of the most seminal hip-hop albums of all time. Bro, that's that's some elite penmanship in such a, at such a young age. Like, that's actually stupid to think about actually crazy so i mean shit 
<laughs> that kind of just sets the precedent, don't you? Don't you think? And like, even and if we think about that in the prism of beginning with America's Most Wanted, right, which is undoubtedly the one of the most energizing hip hop albums of all times, just in terms of like the absolute ruthless energy that Cube comes in with mm. from a performance standpoint. And just how he's just fucking coming at you with every single song and punching you in the face with these mm. bars and everything is pronounced so clearly. Everything has purpose. The beats by the Bomb Squad is absolutely fucking mental. Like, it's actually stupid. And all of that at the age of 20 and 21, that is actually fucking mad to have all that, you know, to have all that. I guess uh, just all that knowledge and foresight and just plowing that into the page and just inking just inking all over that all over that uh, piece of paper right there with all them crazy as fuck lyrics man I mean it, it, I'll say it right now America's Most Wanted is his best solo album but bro just in general just as <laughs> just for what it is is absolutely crazy they they did all that in his early 20s actually stupid to think about i remember i went on a date with a girl in 2018 and she said we were talking about like teenage years and she said to me i was a very mature 13 year old and i said what do you mean by that she's like well i was just aware like i was self-aware i knew what my purpose was i knew what my values were and I looked at her and I didn't even like, she was really annoying. So I was just like, shut the fuck up. No one is aware at that age. Like, just shut up. Like, shut up. Stop being a douchebag. Cause she was a douchebag, but she like cube is that. Okay. Cube. It sounds to me like he had himself well sorted very early in his life and he knew what he was going to do, you know, and he knew the direction he wanted to go in. So like America's most wanted. I mean, the story behind the album is really cool because Cube said that he always felt that the solo careers of the NWA members would be prioritized. And we know that Easy e dropped Easy Does It just after Straight Outta Compton. And in an interview, Cube said he felt like DJ Yellow was next. And then Cube would be up. But things really soured, obviously, on the business side. And Cube said about it, he said, when you catch someone with their hand in the cookie jar, they can do two things. They can say, yeah, you caught me. Let me make it up to you. Or they can say, my hand wasn't in the cookie jar. And he says that was their position because if they'd come clean then, they would have had to come clean with everybody in NWA. So they took the stance that Cube was the outsider and that he was forced out. And he said he didn't want to even leave the group. He wanted to try and keep his ties because he wanted Dr. Dre to produce America's Most Wanted, but Jerry Heller vetoed it. Mm. And so he went with the Bomb Squad, you know, and, you know, Bomb Squad, I mean, legendary production crew, Public Enemy, Slick Rick, LL, they had hits on hits on hits. But, uh, you know, Ice Cube had to relocate to New York to record the album. And he just locked in. And, and when you say, like, the like all the ink on the pad, uh, I think it was Chuck D who said that he had eight 200-page notebooks stacked with rhymes just ready to go, which is Fucking just totally crazy. Man. Like, think about how calculated this man was. He saw opportunities and he took them. And even when he realized he was getting fucked on the business side in NWA, he actually offered them a chance to atone, right? But they didn't take it. But he, then again, he recognized how valuable Dr. Dre was. He knew how valuable Dr. Dre was, something that Jerry Heller and Easy couldn't work out because they left, let him go. They didn't pay him what he deserved. Imagine not paying Dr. Dre what he deserved. 
Like, how stupid is that? But Ice Cube understood. And when the business fucked that up too with Dr. Dre, he just moved himself out of the place that made him fam- famous into enemy territory because at the time west coast and east coast still they weren't mixing even back then but he had to get that the best possible result because think about this album think about how important this album is like people could just say oh yeah you're just big because of nwa like you know that's the only reason dr dre did your beats and you know easy spat your bars and you know, you were part of the group, but like you weren't the main part because a lot of people really saw Dr. Dre and Easy E as the kind of driving forces behind that group. And uh, sorry, Ice Cube had to set himself apart. And the the really notable thing about America's Most Wanted is that uh, they didn't really want to diss NWA on it. Ice Cube even says that he doesn't diss them at all on the album because they wanted to really and. Jinx was uh, pivotal in that as well. They wanted to set themselves really apart from NWA and just be like completely mm. separate and say, this is me. This is who I am. You know, I'm a solo star in my own right. And he fucking did, man. And like, that's amazing. Like, I thought it was amazing. He actually, he also produced, he has production credit on 75% of the album. This guy is a fucking genius. Like, he's a dead set genius. Like, the album is a straight classic. I feel like the beats are a little bit dated now. But, um, you know, even if you go back and listen to them of the time, they were actually quite expansive and quite... I thought they were some of the Bomb Squad's best work back in the day. Like, I really thought thought they excelled mm-hmm. themselves on, on that album. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say outdated is the words. I would say it's, it's aged, um, for sure. But, bro, you can't tell me that shit don't knock. Like, you can't, you still can't tell me that shit doesn't still slap. <laughs> it still fucking knocks, right? So, you know what I mean? Just, oh, man. So, I'll leave it on, I'll leave that on a on, on a tweet he gave while talking, while, like, you know, just um, hyping up this AMW at 30 uh, celebration he was doing. And he obviously did a live listening session, which was, uh, I watched a little bit of that. That was quite cool. Um so he goes, uh, while working on AMW, many of NYC's OGs would stop by the studio to say what's up and wish me luck on the project. We'd work from 6pm to 6am, sleep all day, and do it again in the next night. It took about 30 days to complete. All of that shit in 30 days, bro. It's wild. 30 days. Are you kidding me? <laughs> that is actually crazy. And, you know, from, from uh, one album that has one of my favorite first tracks of all time nigga you love to hate i mean the beat switch on that track alone is fucking crazy like how can you get more energetic <laughs> on that fucking beat uh to one of obviously one of the greatest final tracks of all time uh no vaseline on death certificate um so i feel like death certificate is uh it's interesting uh especially when especially with um this uh, and the Predator, I think, um, they both have like this quality about them where I don't even see them as like you know quote unquote gangster rap album, like because there's a lot of like you said storytelling right. But I but I see some of these some of these songs on both of these on both of these uh, particular albums right here. Um, I'll I'll stick it Death Certificate first. Like there are some tracks on there that are very like more closer to public enemy which you know makes sense since you know chuck d was um a a constant uh, mainstay in the 
recording of America's Most Wanted being a member of the Bomb Squad. Um, you know, it, it makes sense. But uh, it's so fa- it's so fascinating listening to them back and just actually listening to the lyrics and what he's talking about. And it's just like, huh, like this dude's been, this dude's um, you know, been hitting the books kind of thing, and just like, and uh, obviously, obviously, he still talks about the usual stuff. But um, yes, yeah, it's 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 kind, it's kind of interesting in terms of uh, in terms of how it's um, how it's structured, I guess. There's some background to that actually. So you're a thousand percent right. Uh, Chuck D spoke about it in an interview where he said that he wanted Ice Cube not just to be a gangster rapper, but to slowly grow into being a more conscious rapper. And the transition yeah. happened quickly, but he said on America's Most Wanted, he didn't want Cube to just jump straight into the conscious political rapper. He wanted it to grow organically, right? And so on Death Certificate, that's where it happened. Like, I I just felt it was just... I actually like this album a lot more than America's Most Wanted just because of the narrative that he constructed on okay. it. He just got angrier on this album and it's just violent at times, like really violent. And I'll speak on No Vaseline in a second, but like, you know, the way like tracks, you know, A Bird in the Hand really dive into... I guess systemic oppression that, you know, forced... Well, I mean, it was overt. Like, that's the thing about it. Like, it was really overt because it spoke about why African-Americans were selling drugs. Like, it just he just said it, yeah. you know? He, that's what Ice Cube always did. He would just fucking say shit. Like, say it the way it is. Like, he has black Korea on here, man. And he was accused of helping to incite... <laughs> The 1992 LA riots, since there was a significant amount of violence targeted towards Asian people and during those riots. This was the influence that yeah. Cube had at the time. Like he was so unfiltered that he could get on a song and rap, so pay respect to the black fist, or we'll burn your store down to a crisp, and then we'll see you because you can't turn the ghetto into black Korea. And then still be universally praised by critics and fans and go number two. You know, like but, and it didn't even, like, I don't know. I was not around at the, t- obviously, I'm, I'm not black, I'm not Asian, I wasn't involved in the riots, I don't live in LA, like, I don't know. But I don't really feel like he was exiled because of those comments. I don't really feel like he was, you know, because it's just the way Cube raps. He just raps whatever the fuck he's thinking and feeling. And a lot of the time, it's just very intellectual like he puts his finger on the pulse of whatever's happening and turns it into a lyrical masterpiece and yeah i i I always found that interesting like his role in the 1992 la riots i find that very interesting i don't know i need to do some more reading on that and how people actually reacted to that because obviously such a big album with such a big song on it i wonder if he genuinely did have an influence and he or he was just as he said you know said so many times he's a street reporter maybe he was just uh voicing the concerns or voicing the feelings that african americans had at the time and it wasn't so much inciting a riot as simply just uh delivering the information that would you know that that eventually maybe led to i don't know i don't know but it, it, i just found it very interesting yeah for sure um you know, and this is the first album where he um, basically, you know, references Nation of Islam um, mm. and like Black Careers you mentioned. Uh, I want to one that really hit me in the chest uh, was actually the track right after that, "True to the Game." Um, 
Mm. Yeah, you know, some of these some of these lyrics I'm just gonna uh, throw out right here. It's like um uh but I walk through the ghetto and the flavor's good, little kids jumping on me, but you you wanna be white and corny, living way out, nigga go home, sprayed painted on your house, try to be white or a Jew, but ask yourself who are they gonna who are they to be equal to? Get the hell out, stop being Uncle Tom, you little sellout. <laughs> it's just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's like, man, he literally, like he said, unfilled as fuck. And it just, man, he just doesn't take any prisoners in that case. Never. He just really just goes for the neck in any topic he talks about. And obviously it's, um, you know, uh, all wrapped up in the bow that is no Vaseline. And obviously that's just one. Of my <laughs> I mean, we, we've talked about it before at length. Uh, but boy, yeah, that's yeah. You know, like I said, like I said before, go Peter episode, best diss track of all time. Not even close. N- n- there's nothing. There's nothing that contests it. But f- yeah, fucking hell, like, um, it actually, it pre- obviously preceded uh the ninety rise, like you said. So yeah, I can, I could, you know, there could be, there could be something that like that you could have, you could have genuinely. I don't know if the news, you know, if the news people back in the, back in those days did it. Um, you know, in terms of journalists and stuff like that, and if they looked into that kind of thing, if it, you know, because you know we do that thing a lot with music, and I don't think it, I think it rarely, it probably never happened ever again, to be honest. In terms of, uh, you know, people reacting so strongly to music that they, you know, do something in this fashion, and I'm not, and we're not saying that, you know, uh, death certificate, you know, incited the riots at no, all. No, obviously, no, no, no. the main. No. The main catalyst was obviously Rodney King, but um, bro, like I can't, I can't say it didn't. It, I can't, you can't say categorically it didn't. It must have done something. Like go read the lyrics if you don't, if you don't, you know, if you don't think so, because there's some, there's shit there that I, if I was right, in LA, you know, intense. and if I was angry, and I was listening to in Ice Cube, and you hear that kind of shit, you hear that those kind of lyrics, you're like. You can get some heat in you. I can light your fire. I can light a fire under you. Trust, trust on that. So you know, I'm not. I'm not saying it did. Obviously, it wasn't the main catalyst, but maybe it might have done. It might have. It might have set someone alight. Don't know if it's one or a hundred or a thousand, but it might have lit somebody up for sure. But uh, yeah, man, that album itself, just as a, um, just as a, uh, as an artifact uh, to look at. Uh, it's kind of, it, it, must, it must be uh, it must be looked into with more depth i must admit because uh yeah there's a there's an interesting background to all of that yeah i want to just speak quickly because i i pulled up the genius song page to look at the lyrics and there are a couple there's a little bit of um history i i didn't speak about the death of uh latasha harlands and she was shot and killed by soon jan du a korean store owner in 1991 and apparently that was yes. the response. This yes, this I song was well. yeah. yeah a response to that incident. And Cube actually said he delivered a statement three weeks after the song's release, and he says, "I explained some of the feelings and attitudes of black people today, and the problems and frustrations that we confront. And I clarified the intent on my of my album Death Certificate. It was not intended to infe- not intended to offend anyone or incite violence of any kind." It was not directed at all Korean Americans or at all Korean American store owners. I respect Korean Americans. It was directed at a few stores where my friends and I have had actual problems. Working together, we can help solve these problems and build a bridge between our communities. So that's that was his statement on that. Oh, okay. 
people can react well, to. Well, well, well there you go. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, just before we hop on the Predator, there is an EP that you guys should listen to called Kill It Will. Kill It um, Will. It does have uh, a Kill couple of tracks. Uh, does have a couple of tracks. Jack and um, Beats, from, uh, from uh, America's... America- bro, I was just about to get to that fucking track, bro. How did he ah, How did he do Five Fingers of Death before Sway even thought about it? Uh, fucking turn that shit up. <laughs> that shit is absolutely fucking onslaught, bro. Like, he just... Oh my god, he flamed it like the bit. The beat kept changing. He was just kept on going, kept on going. Fucking hell, man. Yeah. So it does have uh, endangered species and get off my dick. Uh, that's on um, America's Most Wanted. But uh, the rest of it is all original stuff. Uh, Jack for Beats and the product. Definitely those tr- two tracks you guys should listen to just to shout that out. Uh, but uh, we can jump around to the Predator if you like. Ah, uh, yeah, great, great little project. Um, yeah, I'll talk about Predator and Lethal Injection because. Think about it, like, I was I was always saying that Ice Cube reminds me a lot of 50 Cent. Like, you think about 50 Cent, he had everyone against him at one point. He had real beef in the streets that almost got him killed. He got dropped by his label. Yep. He got blackballed because he was too dangerous. But he had supreme confidence in his own ability, so much so that he got himself signed and basically worked his fingers to the bone to become a success. Now, juxtapose that with Cube. He left NWA, the most dangerous group on earth, who had the might of the music industry behind them. They dissed him on 100 Miles and Running. He moved to the East Coast, right, and picked up criticism for coast hopping, so much so that he was actually a target for Common. You know, we've done that whole episode. And Common got a diss off in 96, man, come on. And yet Cube just went from strength to strength. The Predator was his first and only number one. Then 12 months later, Lethal Injection, and arguably that's four classic albums in four years now all four of these albums are incredibly important when viewing the landscape of hip-hop at the time ice cube one of the most calculated mcs in hip-hop history one of the most intellectual the thing is with these four albums and you know the the second two the the predator and uh, lethal injection even more so we never had to read between the lines of his statements he just made statements and what I mean by that is, like, hip-hop is always underpinned by systemic oppression. Drug selling, drug taking, violence, hyper-consumerism, it can all be traced back to where hip-hop culture began, which describes the African-American struggle. But with Cube, we didn't have, like, you didn't have to listen to Big Pimpin' and be like, okay, where's that coming from? Or, you know, he would just fucking say it. He would dissect it, expose it, blow it up with violence you could never ignore it or pretend it didn't exist or disengage with it like if you were listening to a cube album you you had no choice but to learn and ah it's just wild man and he did it he did that in the mainstream think about that man he did that in the fucking mainstream i love him for that and if you think about the albums (laughs) that were coming out at the time you know g-funk was blowing up uh, Doggy Style, Chronic, etc. Wu Tang, like Wu Tang's a little bit different. Wu Tang were pretty overt, but like Doggy Style and and the Chronic, you know, they were just bops. Like they were just great, cool albums. And yes, there was a lot of deeper stuff in yeah. there, but they weren't just throwing it at your face every fucking song. Every song, bro. Every song, Ice Cube will be at your neck. He'll be at your neck for four straight fucking albums. He did not relent. It's like this guy went to sleep screaming. He did not stop, and it's just <laughs> fucking wild. I think it makes him one of the greatest MCs alive. I think lyrically, he was pretty close to untouchable. We've seen that. 
He dropped no Vaseline. He took down an entire group. And uh, DJ Yeller even said in an interview with the feds, DJ Vlad, who uh, yeah. he just said, as soon as we heard that shit, we knew it was over. We knew he'd won. Like, what could we do? And then Dr. Dre left pretty soon after, and that was the end of NWA. <laughs> like, he took down the whole group, bro. And his 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 vocals were just power. Like, bro, guy, first four albums, straight classics, done. Fucking legendary run, man. Legendary I run. Feel, Never I, f- I feel like. <laughs> I feel like we. I feel like you're trying to end the show already. Like, bro, nah, we got like a whole it. fucking know, twenty but, years. <laughs> I just got all worked up. <laughs> I got all worked up because I love this shit. This is crazy. So good. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, you ain't wrong. Um, you kind of just said my overall thoughts. So I was going to finish with, to be honest. I mean, like, uh, but I'll, I'll try and bring it back uh, to to earth. Um, I'd say in terms of the predator, and uh, since you clumped uh, lethal injection along with it, I'll just say that as well. I think both of those uh, albums, even though they were both. Uh, mainly produced by DJ Pooh and uh, Sir Jinx as well, uh, as well as obviously Death Certificate. I feel like these two albums, production-wise, were just a little bit better for me than Death Certificate, um, which will... Uh, I'm only saying that because I'm going to ask Ben to rank rank these later, so just a heads up on that for you. Um, and uh, just a, you know, kind of a little hint of where I'm going to go with that. But uh, yeah, man, I, I completely get you on to obviously where you're talking about, and... Uh, even with that, right, you can still, he still has them classic songs just on their own, like It Was A Good Day, you know, like uh, You Know How We Do It, which is, mate, mm. uh, You Know How We Do It might be my favourite just West Coast track of all time, I, I, I will be real with you, it might just be, it has it all, it's, it, it really has it all, and I'd love that beat to death. Like that would be my I I'd make that my ringtone if I could I I won't but <laughs> but but I I really wish I could um you know and there's a and even the funny and the best thing about Lethal Injection is that like I f- I feel like going from this and we'll obviously get to like you know War and Peace and the rest of them late in a, in a sec the thing about that album right there is that it really felt like Cube was just like okay. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna leave it with this, and you know he leaves. He leaves the albums with like you know them them little mini skits where like the dudes like waiting for G- waiting for Jesus to come down, and then like a couple of songs late or like a song later he comes back to him. He goes like, "Are you still waiting? Does that mean I can take your watch and your car?" And he goes, "Yeah, go ahead." And he takes <laughs> he takes his watch and car and just walks off. Um, and you know like enemy as a mad Farrakhan just uh, sampling and uh, you know just references to Nation of Islam and also when I get to heaven as well it, it, it really shows just like a real arc that these four albums alone um, and I feel like if we really if you know if the if the if the other albums uh, going going past this weren't um, as you know uh, uh, you know classic works like these four were i would say we should end it right now and just uh, do a part two next week um but just say just just going off this uh, these four the character arc of just cube himself of just going from like that youthful like in your face shouting at you practically energy of america's most wanted and then going to lethal injection where he's just much more not mellow but you know he's much more just focused and like you you know 
you know, he's not, he's not just, shitty. he's not just like, you know, ah, he's not machine gunning it. Like he's, he's aiming and like, he's firing and hitting the bullseye every time. It's much more, it's much more calmer in that sense. It's just so interesting, like looking at these four albums just in a vacuum and just seeing his whole arc and watching him just get smarter and just like get more, um, like he said, when Chutney, you know, asking him just to don't be, you know, just gangster rap, add some conscious elements into it. And he, and he does, he generally does. And, it, and, and I mean, Chuck D basically called it like he, he organically just became more well-rounded. And like he said, just bars wise, he's, he's really up there. Like objectively, he's really up there. Um, in just terms of lyrical content, what he talks about, how he talks about it, his demeanor, it's just crazy. So, um, yeah, man. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel like what we should do now, um, since there are so, since there's so much left and we're already nearly an hour, I'm going to say this, uh, I'm going to challenge you instead. I'm going to say, give me your best album post-lethal injection, best IQ album post-lethal injection, and his worst album, Post Lethal Injection. Give me, give me those two, and we'll and we'll uh, and we'll go back and forth on that. Um, hmm. Maybe you go first. You go first? I didn't, <laughs> I didn't think that far ahead. But I'll, yeah, you go first. Okay. Okay. So, well, now I'm trying to think about it. Now, okay, my my his his worst, in my opinion, um, I think is uh the first the first volume of War and Peace. Um, I feel like that particular album, it, it it's so weird. Like I was listening to it and I was like, this sounds a really lot like just a Tupac album. It re- it just, it just sounded like Tupac. If he just came on here and said the exact same lyrics, just in Tupac voice, it would just, it would be no different. Um, and that's not why I think it's, you know, his worst project. Um, the reason why I just, I just think like... Obviously, with the four albums preceding, um, this one just feels like he's dropping an album uh, just to, I guess, see where he's at. You know what I mean? Like, I think, I feel like the other four, the you know, the classic four, which will, let's, let's just call it the classic four, because that's, that's a boss name for it. The classic four had purpose. You know what I mean? He had intent. I feel like with this particular album and you know a couple of a couple of them in the middle as well um that he was just, he was just there just to drop some drop some heat basically um you know and i i feel like you know i'm not going to say there were skips you know it, it's not it's not it's not i mean there's hour and 10 minutes so i do feel like it could have been you know a bit bit shorter in that sense but um yeah i, I just feel like production wise it was just a bit you know by the by the numbers in terms of uh in terms of what was happening at that point in in hip hop in the '98, it just sounds like a you know just a generic hip hop album that was created in '98. Um, and yeah, you know, I mean, uh, there's just there was, there was some like uh, just tracks. It was just about smashing women. It was just like, okay, sure, let's smash some women. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just like okay, you know, I mean, it's eight, it's eight. But um, yeah, so this is definitely, I think, is a is a least a. My my least favorite Ice Cube project, I'll say that. And uh, for his best out of the out of the out of post, um, I think Everything's Corrupt. To be honest, like his, his latest project, Everything's Corrupt. I think that's the I think that was the first album um, in the, in the 
in the post-classic four era where he had genuine that fire came back where he had a purpose again he was like i'm going to talk about this i'm going to talk about this i'm going to talk about this and you can see it on the list you, you can see you know arrest a president what do we think that's about i wonder <laughs> I mean, uh, bad dope uh, on them pills um that oh, fuck that new funkadelic is one of the fucking oh, god damn that's a fire song like just a, just a full-on p-funk hip-hop um just homage to uh parliament funkadelic i fucking love that song you should you lots should bang that constantly and you know the last two tracks everything's corrupt good cop bad cop there's just purpose there and i feel like that's his best one uh, you know ice cube is at his best when he has a purpose we we know this um throughout talking about this and i think everything's corrupt really just um uh, caps it off in terms of uh that hypothesis where like you know he he wanted to talk about the president he wanted to talk about drugs in the community he wanted to talk about corruption and he did and he did it with such flair and with just such charisma it, it he just came back in my in my opinion not to you know shit on i am the west you know nothing like la is one of my favorite tracks of his um, you like raw footage, of course. Um, you know, and there's some couple of decent ones in life now. I'll cry later, but yeah, Arrested President just start to finish. I really enjoyed that, and shout out to Too Short on the feature as well. That was love, love me some Too Short features. I'm gonna go in a completely different direction. I felt like Everything okay. Is Corrupt is my least favorite. Now, oh, when I say this, okay. yeah, when I say this, I don't think Ice Cube has a bad album. I don't think he has a mid album. I think he has one of the yeah, greatest. Yeah, no, that's, that's not what we're saying at all. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. So when I say everything is corrupt is my least favorite. I, I it just <coughs> excuse me. Um, when I listened to, it, I remember listening to it for the first time, and I was really excited for new Ice Cube because it was 2018, and obviously a lot was happening, and I could see the title track, the titles of the tracks. I'm like, this can be, this can be great. I felt like it just missed that edged like lyrically of course conceptually of course you know he's he's always got that fire uh like brewing you know he's always socially conscious and political but he he tried to switch his flow up a little bit too much and sometimes try to get into cadences that were more contemporary and to me that wasn't really what i went to ice cube for like i wanted him to just drop like heat over more contemporary beats but still just spit the same so it was just more me and a personal feeling that I had. I felt like it was just a bit of a letdown for me. And I can't really give much more than that okay. because, I mean, the conceptually and lyrically, it was great, you know. And I, I think I think it got – it didn't get the, the credit it deserved at the time just because – I don't know, man. I don't know, like, these older artists – like, I just don't un- really understand <clears throat> how someone like Jay Electronic can have so much hype – but then someone else who's proven and has like such an incredible track record and you know he's going to drop heat has zero hype. That's something I don't understand about hip-hop. And I think that infected my listening experience where I really wanted to like it because I was like, you know, fuck everyone else for not listening to this. Like, you know, why are we not talking about mm. I wanted to run numbers on it, but I couldn't because, well, I could mm. if I wanted to, but, you know, it would have it would have defeated the purpose. Like, I would have spent 20 hours on something and get 50 likes. You know, it would have just been, you know. So, I I think that infected my listening experience because I expected something great and and I expected something on along the lines of raw footage because that is my favorite post classic four. Uh, is that what you called it? The classic four. Yeah. 
Yeah. Coined it. TM. Trademark. Copyright. (laughs) So, story behind raw footage is that Gangster Rap Made Me Do It is the first song I ever heard by Ice Cube in my life. I was 20 um, or 19 when it dropped. Wow. Yeah, I mean, like, I posted. uh, Did you not play San Andreas? Uh, Come on, bro. Oh, it might have been. Was he in San Andreas? What song was in there? Yeah, you had, ba- you had banging tracks in there. Um, yeah, you Check Yourself was on there. Um, there was another track, I think. Yeah, yeah uh, The Lynch Mob, was... Gorillas in the Mist. Yeah, that, yeah. Well, it was it was probably the first time that I listened to, uh, like, knew it was... I Like, I, I listened to... San- I played San Andreas or played all those GTAs a million times, and the songs were just songs. Like, it didn't tell me who they were by. Like, I probably listened to a million songs and was just like, okay, I know what that song is. But, like, this was the first time I really knew, okay, this is Ice Cube. This is what Ice Cube is. And maybe I have that connection with that album, but that album is an absolute fucking stomp from start to, like, start to finish. Gangsta Rap Made Me Do It is wild, man. That is a great song. Like, the whole album is just fire. It's 16 tracks. It's an hour and four minutes. But I really like that. I've always loved that mid-2000s uh, production and I you know I just I just thought that was it was basically uh, the predator or death certificate over updated production to me so that was definitely my favorite but I don't think he has a bad album at all I war and peace uh, was no. a little bit long like obviously it's a double album uh, but you know the second album came out two years after the first album but uh yeah I really liked part two though that's the funny thing yeah, part two was good. Part two was good. I, I mean, I thought the whole thing was pretty good. Like, I, I, I thought it was solid. Like, yeah. I think, you know what it is? It's one of those things where you sit down and you just put it on, and you listen to it indefinitely. Like, you just, it's like I bought, um, I bought Godson recently on CD just so I could just put it on and just have it always on in the car. Just because you're always gonna find yeah. something, you're always gonna hear something, you're always gonna. It's like you know. So that's why I really like uh, War and Peace, Laugh Now, Cry Late. Like they're all great albums. You know, I, I can't say any of them are bad. I am the worst. Like they're all great albums. So yeah, they're, but those would be my two. Uh, everything's corrupt. I'll, I'll be interested to see where he goes next. Like if he actually does more music. Yeah. Like that would be very interesting to see. Yeah, yeah for I don't sure. Know. I mean, well, so, so so just to finish up, and obviously Ben made his. Uh, he made his overall for, uh, overall thoughts a little bit early, jumped the gun a bit, but uh, basically just I'm I'm obviously going to be echoing what Ben said uh, previously. I mean, just like he Ice Cube, legitimately is one of the most not even just one of the most like uh, just OP uh, lyricists we've ever seen, but just one of the most talented people. Like obviously, like I said, we we don't have the time to talk about his film career, the fact he you know did the screenplay for Friday, and that became a franchise in itself. Friday, if you guys haven't watched Friday, please go watch Friday, because it's one of the greatest comedies, I think, of all time. I think the replay value on that film is absolutely top-notch, and it's just funny as hell. So many quotables. Chris Tucker is a G forever for that. Um, You know, Barbershop. uh, He's produced this shit. (laughs) <laughs> he wrote some of the shit as well like he he's he's done this in so many facets as well um and obviously acting as well um but but just as a Aestus himself like the tra- he trailblazed <laughs> let me just paint this let me just paint it like this right so he helped write uh well he wrote the majority of 
one of the most seminal hip-hop albums of all time, Israel of Compton. And making that group what it is, basically, in terms of just, like, you know, demeanour and what, and what was said on the album itself, right? So he basically was the foundation for that for that group, we can say that, right? Um, so he did that. Then he went solo. Couldn't do it in his home... In his, in his home uh, region so he went to the east coast instead and therefore basically started this uh you know i feel like this is a future episode when we have to talk about the lack of regionalism these days um i feel like that's pretty much dead now um but back then it was obviously a thing and he went to he went to the east coast he went to see bomb squad and chuck d and they took him in and obviously we've talked about how that how that how that uh, worked out and then he single-handedly Killed the group that he was the foundation of. <laughs> Bro, that's wild. That's <laughs> fucking one wild track. shit. One song. How do you do that? He literally, he literally built the house, well, helped build the house, and then blew it up. <laughs> he, he basically, that's what he did, right? And then he just continued on with what he's doing, made a, 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 a four-album stretch that is like, you know, you could put that up with... Name name any artist. To be honest, I've, I'll put I'll put Ice Cube's top uh, four first four albums in terms, of, and that's the thing. First four, four as well. First four. Not not like his not like his not like his eighth to twelfth. You know, what I mean, it wasn't like he was long in the tooth. His first four solos were absolute classics from start to finish. DMX so, maybe you know, just fuck. off that alone. That's an, that's a Hall of Fame career on its own. And then we have everything else. Where you know it's 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 obviously not classic four era, right? It's 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 a it's a little bit below for me, um, and for most people. But it's still worth listening to, and that is just some that is that longevity, that uh, expertise, and that talent is absolutely fucking sublime. And I don't think, and there was an article recently that was published um, that basically making a case for Ice Cube should be in the song, the next rapper in the Songwriters Hall of Fame. And I definitely co-sign that because, <laughs> I mean, just go listen to the music and you'll understand why. Like, it's, 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 uh, it's unmatched. It's, it's unmatched in a lot of ways. And... Uh, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know where to go from that. I've, I've tongue-tied myself, but fucking shout out to Ice Cube, God damn it! So, so much shit, so much shit. It's absolutely crazy, unbelievable. My, my summary is, I think Ice Cube is one of the smartest humans in entertainment. Now, let me just quickly talk Thanks. about music. I'm not going to get into ten minutes of music movies, but his movies have grossed over two point four billion dollars. He co-wrote Friday. He was in. Uh, Boys in the Hood, July 1991, and he was the best actor yep. in that movie. I don't give a fuck what anyone says. Lawrence Fishburne was great. Cuba Gooding Jr. was great. But the way he portrays that character is so calm. On that one, but okay. <laughs> so, what'd you say? I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna fly the flag for Lawrence on that one. But okay, go, fair. Go, keep, That's keep fair. Cooking. Keep cooking. Well, I I felt like the way Cube portrayed his character was just considered. He was like yeah, a veteran. He just authentic. oozed control, and he was in perfect control of that character. Nothing phased him. Emotionless scenes, emotional, he nailed it, right? Now, he said to Variety in an interview that he wished he could do more movies that have real stories about real people doing real things, but instead he has to appease the masses and entertain the people. He said, as a black actor, I feel like you have to follow your trajectory. 
If you're doing good in comedy, you gotta do a few of them before you switch it up, especially if you're trying to be a lead actor. So he he just he just always knew, man. He always knew. He had a TV show called Black White where they switched. I don't know if anyone knows about that, but they like switch races and see what it was like in the other people's, and uh, they did it via makeup. And the review of it was like, this is not a joke. This is not a trivial. This is a serious intellectual study. This is not a reality TV show. You know, they're actually genuinely trying to do a documentary here and see what it's like. The guy was just a fucking genius, man. And I felt like, I just don't feel like there's many people who are better and more intelligent and more calculated and have done more in just entertainment. Like, uh, you know, he always had a message. He always had a statement that was conducive to pushing society forward. He, to me, he embodied that more than anybody else in music and film together at the same time. Like, I don't think there was anyone who was doing it at the pinnacle of both. And yeah, I just think... If you leave this podcast with anything about Ice Cube, leave it with his integrity and his devotion to furthering the culture and his intellect, which like to me made it appear like he was in control at all times, even when he was in complete turmoil. Like, I don't know, man, this guy's a genius. Like when I came into this podcast, like I didn't know a huge amount, like I knew a lot about Ice Cube and obviously I've seen his movies, seen Ride Along, seen Jump Street, et cetera, et cetera. I love him as an actor. I think he's great. But I didn't know a heap about like him as a human and as a as a man and the kind of things that he'd done, and just reading about it and researching it just gave me this whole new respect for him as just a, a human. And I think he's done so much in his whole career. So fucking shout out to Ice Cube, man. Shout out. Yes, for sure. Um, we shall leave it at that and uh, hop in straight into our lighter note. Do you have one before we get into the change? Uh do I have a lighter note? No, not really. I think we can jump into the challenge. All right, cool. Uh, so, challenge this week is... Um, okay, I've worded this oddly, um, but bear with me. I'll try to explain it. So, I originally wrote two songs where you prefer the OG over the hip-hop track that sampled it. So, obviously, as we know, there are a lot of hip-hop tracks out there that sample one or two, three songs, whatever. And, you know, sometimes the original song that was sampled, in my opinion, and there are there are a few... Um, that is actually better than the track, the hip-hop track that sampled it. So, I, just, I, I had a few in mind. I just wanted to know if you had any um, that, that you had that you just generally thought were better. I found it a struggle because, uh, obviously, you know, I grew up on alternative rock, and so my background isn't in the traditional sample realm that like a lot of people yeah. use you know like i didn't list go up this into james brown etc etc you know so yeah. yeah i struggled with it a little bit because i looked at some of my f- more the, the songs that i knew were iconic samples and i went back and listened to the original song and i'm like i've listened to this a couple of times but i haven't listened to it enough to really say wow this is way more iconic the one that hit me was uh Power, 21st Century Schizoid Man by, I think it's King Crimson. Now, I like Power in the context of the album by Kanye, but that original song, man, is just a fucking amazing track. I don't even know when it came out, like the 70s or something crazy like that. Like, But that was a a song I listened to a lot growing up. So that was the one. Um, You know, there were other ones as well, like... uh, 
usually when they sample a hip-hop song, so St. Pablo sampled uh, the beat from Where I'm From. Uh, I think it was Where mm-hmm. I'm From. And I like St. Pablo, but I much prefer Where I'm From. Uh, and obviously, like, we're talking about um, DJ Khaled today because it's a, the one-year anniversary of Father of Assad. And uh, that oh, song, you know I was... That? <laughs> I was listening back to, yeah, I put up some statistics. They they went triple carb. Well, I got 400 likes, but that's nothing, man. Like, eh. But anyway, like, I, they were shitting on Khaled too, you know. I was shitting on him. But anyway, people were just not interested in anything to do with that guy. But uh, I was listening back to that po- the podcast where we, um, I think we talked about the album just before it dropped and I, or just after it dropped. And I'm like, I haven't listened to it yet. And you said that there was a, They'd, out, they'd done Outcast. Like, I think it was Miss Jackson. And I remember yeah. listening. I remember yeah, when you, t- <laughs> you told me about it. Oh. And I was listening Why'd to the podcast. And I was I was shocked when you told me about it on the podcast. I remember just being genuinely shocked and being like, wait, what? And I remember where I was when I first heard the song. I was just leaving my psychologist's office, walking down the stairs at Parramatta Station. And it came on and I was like, no. No, 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 no. So that is the one, man. Fuck that. Yuck. So those are the, that'd be the one. I am genuinely in a sour mood now that you mentioned that song again. Oh, my days. That was expunged from my memory. And you've just brought that shit back. Oh, my days. What actually, what absolute crime. What absolute crime. That is, that is literally just, oh, unbelievable. Okay. All right, so I have three, um, and uh, two of them are well, no, three. Well, one of them is kind of obscure because uh, you guys are not into Terrace Martin. Um, so there's one track I love of Terrace Martin's called "LA Dreaming," and uh, I, I I listened to it in uni for the first time, and I really loved it. And I've had it in my regular rotation since then. Um, but like a year or two later, um, I got into. Well, actually, was it? Two, I th- yeah, actually, two years later, right? I got into uh, Quincy Jones's music, um, partly just because I wanted to. Um, I was like thinking of buying a saxophone at that time, and I was just like, let me get in some classic shit. And uh, I listened to the dude, and there's a song on there called Something Special, and it features uh, a vocalist named by the name of Patty Austin. And um, there's a saxophone solo in that song that is one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard. And uh, I listened to it for the first time, and while I was just like in paralysis in how good it was, there was a, the final bit, the final few notes uh, were sampled by Terrace Martin. And I was like, oh, "Fuck, no! I didn't even know that." So I, I, I got the, I got the, um, I got the diggers high in terms of like thinking about that because uh, there are people out there in hip hop sphere that love to, you know, uh, find the samples of songs and when they find and I can imagine when they find it is the best feeling ever and that's I tripped onto that shit and bro it just it just got me I was so gassed about it um so shout out to something special great song um that's you know while I love LA Dreaming that shit is just so beautiful Patty Austin's so good and actually floats um more more examples that you can gather um well we mentioned Biggie last week obviously for a previous episode um, Big Popper. I prefer Isley Brothers Between the Sheets, which is the, you know, just the, you know, the, the, just the original, just the overall beat. Um, 
I prefer Between the Sheets, uh, personally. I, th- I think it's uh, just... I, I, I don't know. It's hard to word it. I just, I just, I just prefer it. Um, just, the, I just, I like it when it's the whole thing. Um, it, it, it just, you know, and sometimes when it's cut, it, you, you miss some, you miss some, you miss some magic there. And uh, I feel like that's what happened in that particular track. Uh, but you know, no, no, this to be pop. It's, a, it's an alright track, but um, it's a classic, obviously. But Between Sheets by the Izzy Brothers is op. And the last one um, is. Uh, Nina Simone Cinnamon. Um now obviously there's plenty of tracks that have been um, yeah. the no, that's that. fair. Um yeah, but, but that's original. the one I'll note yeah. my favourite one I guess um is uh, Talib Kweli's Get By, um produced by Kanye obviously. And uh while I love Get By, I really love Get By this morning I woke up being a brand new I jumped up so positive so just, oh, just that's such a wake up tune that's such a wake up tune such a wake up tune banger um cinnamon just has like obviously it's very long it's like i think like 10 minutes but oh, there's so much to there's so much to take from that song it's such a ride it's such a man it's so emotional as well and the and the and the piano uh, obviously, that's the piano's a sample didn't get by, but just hearing the whole thing and the claps at the start, uh, uh, but just just before the pianos come in, it's like it's oh, it it just really rises in tension, I guess, and uh, and I love the p- whole piano uh, solo of towards Cinderman as well. So uh, yeah, man, those are my three. Um, I actually thought of those <laughs> in the past couple of days because I, I gave you that challenge and I was like. Do I actually have any? <laughs> I can't really think of it's any hard. until uh, a couple of days, uh, until yeah, literally yesterday, um, and they all kept flow, like, all came flowing. Uh, but yeah, yeah. So shout out to all those tracks, all banging tracks in their own right. Um, I've actually um, just thought of a couple while you were talking, as tends to happen. So this is inter- <laughs> okay. this is interesting. There's a couple here that are interesting. Firstly, Young Black America, which was on Wins and Losses by Meek Mill. Now it samples. Blueprint, Mama Loves Me, which was the beat done by Bink. The way they chop that up is awful. It is really awful, Street <laughs> Symphony. Bink was really angry about the way they did it because they didn't do it with his permission. Yeah, I, d- I hated that. I hated that. Obviously, the original is better there. Um, and there's another one. Now, this is going to be interesting. So there's a song by the streets called Stay Positive. Have you ever heard that song off original pirate material? I haven't listened to that album in time, Just but uh, continue. Positive. So I'm listening to What a Time to Be Alive by Drake and Future when it first drops, right? And oh, the no. refrain of Stay Positive is dun, 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 dun. And it's, it's on this song, Live from the Gutter. And I'm just like, oh, wow, they sampled the streets. They didn't, apparently. I don't understand. I, I just don't get it. If anyone listens to those two songs back to back, it's verbatim. And I looked up, there's no sample from the street song. So I assume Mike Skinner created that beat himself. I, anyone ever wants to do that as a listening experience, go listen to Stay Positive and then listen to Live from the Gutter. And you tell me that that isn't a sample or whatever. Like it's the exact same fucking piano riff. 
I don't understand that. I never understand. <laughs> and I've been banging my head up against a brick wall. Every time that fucking song comes on, I'm like, bro, you stole this. And you didn't give credit. I don't understand. I never seen Mike Skinner Damn. talk about it. I don't understand. Maybe I'm crazy. But, yeah, I just Damn. felt like that. The, the other one that um, I really am glad oh. I picked up on was uh, one of the tracks off My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, and it sampled Aphex Twins' Avril, Avril 14th, I think, is a song. But I think that Kanye did it better. Like, I think he really uh, lifted that song up. But um, I, I was always uh, very happy with Kanye because he always dipped into bags that you didn't expect him to dip into when he was sampling. Like, you know, a lot of people just went back to 70s soul and R&B and stuff like that, which obviously, man, makes for great fucking music, the sped-up soul samples, etc., etc. But Kanye would just go into these weird tracks. Like, he'd get fucking Aphex Twin or he'd get, like king crimson or something like i i always like that about his production but yeah that would be the other only other two that i i could remember well and that's the wonders of like really good production like when they when you when you know they put in time in sampling and actually you know actually dig for these you know little gems that you've just never that nobody else has ever heard of like that's why that's why the great producers are the great producers in my mind like kanye ninth one the pete rock dilla you know they they dig for these songs and you know there's a there's a there's a sample in bitch don't kill my bitch don't kill my vibe uh the kendrick track and like it was, it was it, it samples like some really random. I think like I think it's Danish or somewhere in that area of Europe. Um, it it just it just sampled just some random track from over there, and I'm like, what? <laughs> it's just great. It's crazy. But I mean, that's just why that's why that's why I think sampling is just like really. I, I, that's why I wanted to do this like kind of challenge because I really think that like when when we get into these kind of conversations of sampling and like, you know, just having our minds blown by, oh, they did this, you know what I mean? Oh, they flipped this. And, you know, and you obviously listed some disappointments as well. Um, it, it, it makes, it makes, it makes music much more emotional in that sense. And, uh, and, uh, really creates another dimension of conversation. So, uh, uh, shout shout to you, but also shout, not shout out to you for, ref- for referencing, uh, for reminding me of that God awful fucking, abysmal uh, c- c- hate crime that was uh, sampling Miss Jackson for a DJ Khaled song. But on that note, we shall leave it on there. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> this has been Digging In Digits. <laughs> I've been Charlie Taylor with Fifth Element. I've been Ben Carter with Bob Numbers. We hope you all have a good week. Brackets in the circumstances. I'm starting to say that now because <laughs> you have to. Mm. Uh, <laughs> we hope you all have a good week. We shall always try and do the same. But until the next time, take it easy. Ladies and gentlemen. Digging in the Digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show was edited by me. Music for the show is Pete's and Video Games by Bonus Points. Thanks to Chill Off Records for the ability to use. Socials for the fulfillment, hip hop by numbers, bonus points, and Chill Off Records will be in the full show notes wherever you're listening. This has been a Fifth Element Podcast Network and Hip Hop by Numbers collaboration. Thanks for spending time with us. I'm wishing to see you next time on Digging in the Digits.